Kenji Weger on the ice for Anderson. As Cadbury carries through. Over the line with Huberto. Cadbury to Huberto. Huberto. Cadbury! Scores! They've done it again! Another overtime win! Battle back in the game. They're battling for these loose pucks. Jari, he's going for the empty net! Bouncing towards the goal! He scores! You have witnessed history! Tristan Jari becomes the first goaltender in Pittsburgh Penguins history to actually score a goal. Hyman to McDavid, out to Bouchard looking for a lane. McDavid dishes, one-timer score! Leon Dreisaitl, power play goal! 2-13 to go, and Edmonton its first lead! Sports Radio is back in the Edmonton area. This is Sports 1440 and the Kevin Carius Show. Saul 63 for December the 1st. Where did the month of November go? But the weekend is here, so let's uh, clicker into Schnell, tear up the old pea patch, and make a fast break to the 11 o'clock hour. Man, December's rolling in, and uh, November just left us just like that. Oilers with a Massive win in Winnipeg last night. 3-1 with an empty net goal. Fourth straight win. So the team's on a little bit of a heater right now, and it kind of felt like a playoff game, didn't it? Uh, Hey, let's welcome in our Friday co-host, Eddie Steele, brought to you by Bonton Bakery. From your daily bread to a celebration cake, Bonton has that and everything in between for all your baked good needs. You can order online as well at Bonton. .ca. Morning, Eddie. Morning, Kevin. It's been uh, about three months we've been at it, and yeah. this is a true, true one of our first positive Fridays. <laughs> good Oilers vibes, good NFL for once on a Thursday, an mm-hmm. actual game. It's a great Friday going into the weekend. And it actually all started yesterday. I got a text from Jerry at Montan. He said, what are the chances, Kevin, you could slide by about 6 in the morning and pick up some freshly baked goods? I said, well, Jerry, the chances are pretty damn good. <laughs> the chances are high, and here we are yeah. eating the monkey bread. Yeah. So I stopped by this morning. Nina had a little, nice little gift package for us, and we've already had some monkey bread. They got the Tropical Island Delights, the... Uh, Bailey's Temptations, we got it all, so it's a it's a feed fest this morning. It is. Thank you very much, Bonton. Yeah, Thank you. thanks uh, to Jerry and Nina for letting me in the at, at six in the morning. You know, snuck you in the back. Well, I mean, uh, they were there probably since four. Well, probably not even earlier than that. But the smell, Ooh, intoxicating, just, just wafting <laughs> in. Uh, Everyone on a feel-good day. As you said, it's a positive Friday. Gregor uses that every Friday, but a lot of the Friday mornings for us, as you've mentioned, in three months because of uh, the Oilers' trials and tribulations have not been that way. But last night, 3-1 victory in Winnipeg. I'm sure you had a chance to keep your uh, eyeballs on the game. And it was a pretty good game, a pretty good effort. It was. We're going to carve it up all morning, I'm sure. But it it was a really good effort. Lots of good things to pull from it. One of the, the biggest things that stood out to me, honestly, Kev, is the Vegas game. Matthias Ekholm, after the game, talked about playing a 54-minute game. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a positive 54 minutes. The last six minutes got away from them. Well, this game, they grinded, grinded all game. The last seven minutes, that last little bit of the game, that's where they finished. And 
what a difference. They played that full 60 and boom, look how it finished. Kept pushing, kept pressing, and you know, you get a all you, you get a little bit of a break. You know, Darnell Nurse gets a break on a goal, but just get the puck on the net, good things happen. Not there's nothing bad that can happen really when you put the puck on net. There's certain times where you go, wow, well, we maybe we don't want to give up possession, but it's always a, a good thing nine times out of ten to get the puck on net and maybe sometimes you got to get a change sometimes you know you have players going to the net but it's such a key key thing and then you know I'm sure you just love the Leon Dreisaitl power play goal yeah because we you know you've seen him miss a couple of those on the one-timer what an angle I'm trying to watch the replay and think how, like, just such a sharp angle to get that puck in the net. And let's put the the goggles on the other the other side for a second here and look at it from the standpoint of the Jets. Halibut just played a phenomenal mm-hmm. game, but even he's human. He lets in a little flutter like the nurse goal, uh, and we've seen plenty of those over here in oil country, and it's frustrating. But even the best of the best in a strong effort lets in those flutters. Uh, shots were thirty nine twenty and Hellebuck had to make some great saves. Stu Skinner made some solid saves as well last night. And one of the key areas, um, points of the game, it was 1-1 right after the Darnell Nurse uh, goal to tie it up. But then uh, Evan Bouchard had a little bit of a giveaway down to the right of Skinner. And he had to come up, I think actually to the left of Skinner actually, had to come up with a couple of saves off of uh, Niederreiter and Lowry. In oh, yeah, yeah, with the, a couple rebounds. Just too. a couple quick ones in tight. But yep. just, you know, that those are the ones you need, right? Yep. Those are the ones you need. And then Leon scores with 2.13 left. And I think, and you could see it. You know, when, when Leon scored that goal, you could hear the yell. Like you could hear the, you know, the Oilers yelling, which... In an opposition barn, sometimes it's harder, and maybe sometimes it's easier, too, because you don't have the crowd into it. But you heard the Oilers yell. And then I think when you see a guy struggling like Ryan McLeod has, um, what did you think when he scored the Oh, well, that's exactly it. So you get the Leon goal late, and then uh, the Ryan McLeod goal uh, to finish it off empty netter. And I thought, that's just a sign of momentum turning for this club because Leon, as you alluded to earlier, been missing the, the net, been missing mm-hmm. those shots. Finally, he buries that tight one. And then McLeod, it's so fitting that he's <laughs> the one who gets the empty netter. Like, how fitting? Because we've been talking about it. What a monkey off his back. And it doesn't matter how you get him. A goal is a goal, and he'll take that, I, I'm sure. So the Oilers now, again, they have 19 points on the year, 9, 12, and one, uh, five days off, and we're going to get to this a little bit later about the break right now because some people would say, wow, you'd like, like to keep playing, but it, I think players like the rest too. So um, last night, one of the bigger things that happened was the goal by Tristan Jari, former Edmonton Oil King, and he sniped her. Like, he wasn't messing around. He no, got he that wasn't. puck quick. And, yeah, he flicked it. Yeah. Um, so they have stat trackers now and everything. So that was clocked at 55... Uh, miles an hour, his shot. So, you know, <laughs> I I don't know how... I know my wrist shot ain't 55 miles an hour. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I was at a golf tournament over the, the summer, and uh, it was for the Oil Kings. And um, 
<laughs> they had a slap shot uh, tracker at one of the holes, and I, I got up there, man, and I, I thought I was going to bang one. And I, I tried my hardest. I, I hit ground before I hit the puck. I did all the right things, Kevin. 54. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it, that's uh, that puts it in perspective how hard these Are you guys... sure it wasn't kilometers an hour? <laughs> no, man, that, yeah. that, that was miles. But uh, And the worst part about it, it was on one of the first holes of the tournament. And because I did kind of hit the ground, I jammed my wrist. A bit. Oh, so it was a little buggered up for the golf. The rest of the golf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, text coming in one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Give us a, a dingle. Give us a shout as well on the same number in uh, Texas. It's uh, going to be great to talk everything. Just on a on cloud nine. Everybody just fired up on a on a Friday going into the weekend. NFL game even last night was outstanding. Good, good football. Uh, Finally, you know it was well. I mean, it was surprising. Um, you know, everyone talks about the Dallas defense. I mean, they gave up. They gave up a lot. DK Metcalf was feasting. He on He was and Bland, Deron Bland. Yeah, Bland. So uh, they were going after him. It was weird. Um, they were going after him. Seattle was, and you know, Metcalf was on him. You know, one on one a lot of the times. Well, when you see those matchups, yeah. and, and Metcalf's a freak too. Like, let's keep in mind, Bland. Mm-hmm. He's not a DBs in general aren't the biggest dudes, but <laughs> yeah, they they definitely sensed that they had a matchup advantage there. And Metcalf, what what were the final numbers? I know I don't know catches, but he had like one twenty seven yards, three touchdowns. He feasted. Uh, Jason Greger had him on the bench in fantasy football. Ooh. I can tell you that right now. He had 134 yards, three receiving TDs, six catches, a 73, a one, a three. It's 37.4 points mm. on the bench. Ouch. Well, I can't really say much, uh, Eddie. I'm 0-14 on the oh, year. I've heard, I've, <laughs> I've heard you're uh, in for quite the draft. It's just stinks. Yeah, well, I got a chance to end the skid, uh, end the skid this week. So also... Um, Corey Mace in Saskatchewan, the Rough Riders. Saskatchewan Rough Riders hire a new head coach, and they bring in uh, Corey Mace from Toronto. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's big news. Uh, I'm happy for Corey. Know him personally, and uh, he was way overdue. Uh, he'd been talked about becoming the, one of the next head coaches in this new wave of coaches for the CFL for quite some time. Um, nothing but respect for him. Players coach, but not just a players coach because he's a former player. He's he's done that and he's proven as a defensive coordinator having some of the better defenses in the CFL over the past five, six years. Uh, and it's a certain scheme that he plays. And it's an aggressive scheme and he really knows his X's and O's. I mentioned to you off the air mm-hmm. though, I, I kind of was personally just hoping for Buck Pierce uh, yeah. to get the opportunity. And there's a couple of reasons why I'm a defensive guy. Yes. But at the end of the day, I understand the CFL and you need offense to allow the league to to flourish and to grow and to put fans in the stadium. Mm-hmm. And I think Buck Pierce would bring a good offensive eye to the Riders. And not only just for what he can bring offensively, but Kevin, he's, you're yeah. pulling away a huge piece from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Fair. And that's another reason I wanted him gone. He stays in Winnipeg. They re-up Kyle Walters. They keep their core together. And they're probably going to just chip away at their free agent list and get back to Hunky Door and be a very competitive team again. And I personally wanted to see Winnipeg uh, be broken up and losing their coordinator and their next head coach-to-be, which is what they're saying Buck Pierce is groomed to be. Mm -hmm. That would have been a huge loss for that organization. Kevin Carey's Eddie Steele, Sports 1440, 7-11 on a Friday morning. So, Eddie, if that's the case then, and, and, and we're talking a little bit as well with Mike O'Shea, do you think, so that's just the 
progress of the evolution going on in Winnipeg then down the road? Well, so I've heard is Mike O'Shea is this will be one of his last years. I've heard this will be the last year, um, but, you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. It could lead into another year or two. But, yeah, he's going to move into management. And some of the inside rumor mills that I've been told by some people within the organization is um, is – hunky-dory and smooth as it looks on the outside, uh, there is some bit of internal strife in terms of um, I think there's people who want to be um, moved up in the chain, but they're kind of stuck at certain roles, and I feel that they're doing more than uh, their their role is expected, and they're not so happy with particular other people in yeah. management, like Kyle Walters, for example. I've heard that there's people um, not overly pleased with him within the organization, mm-hmm. but you know, the, on the outside, it's a painted white fence, right? White picket fence, everything looks mm-hmm. good. So we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out, but so far, they've outwardly said that Buck Pierce is going to be groomed to be the next head coach after Mike O'Shea. Mike O'Shea is going to move up to management and so on and so forth. So we'll see how it plays out. If you're, um, I guess, okay, if you're technically, if you're an offensive guy as a head coach getting hired, or in this case, um, Corey Mace as a defensive-minded guy, is your number one priority to make sure that you have a top-notch offensive coordinator? Yes. Like that's your like that's your right hand man no matter what because you don't have the feel for it as much as that guy. It so. has to. It has to be because when hiring a guy like Mace, he's going to be the head coach and most likely the D coordinator or at least have his hand heavily involved in the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's typically how it goes. So your time is not going to be um, spent really focusing on the offense as much. So you need a guy that you know can be productive as a coordinator and that you trust, like you said, because you're you're not going to be able to micromanage uh, as much as you think you are because you're stretched thin as a coach, especially, again, if you have your hand in the defense. Text line one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Stair Farmer with his daily roll call. Good morning. What an Oilers game. That game gives me hope that the Oilers are on the up and up. Shoot us off a text at that number, one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty. Do you think the Oilers are on the up and up and moving their way to a playoff position in the Western Conference? A big show again uh, coming up on a Friday. Zach Lang, Zach Lang from uh, Oilers Nation will uh, check in right after the break, uh, break as we, uh, I guess, dissect the Oilers a little bit. Uh, Mark Spector, as he does every day at 8 o'clock for... Uh, on the mark and Booster Juice, uh, we'll uh, check in. And Brendan Batchelor, Vancouver Canucks play-by-play. Uh, Canucks lose last night to the Vegas Golden Knights 4-1. But boy, Vancouver off to a great start. And then obviously a big trade acquiring uh, Zadorov yesterday from Calgary. Uh, Paul Coffey, we'll have a little one-on-one with the Oilers, head co- uh, Oilers assistant coach, Paul Coffey, at 9 o'clock. Uh, plus our ski report. And then Ryan Marsh from the Spruce Grove Saints uh, head coach. And uh, Saints, uh, boy, that was a, a good game they had this week in Nisku against Sherwood Park. They played at the new arena. At the Silent Ice. Um, have you seen the picks inside of there, Eddie? Oh, I've seen. What a facility. Holy moly. Yeah. And I said, I you know, that thing can host anything. I hope in the near future it hosts the, like, say, the provincial men's and or women's curling championship. I just heard you talking per- about that. Perfect facility size. Well, what that. does it hold roughly, Kev? Like three, oh, three to five, something uh, like that? I would say less. I'd say about two, Yeah, maybe a little under two. I, I, I'm not sure exactly, but I know it just looks beautiful in there. Yeah.
But, you know, the thing is they got the standing room. They got the kind of loge around, like, you know, how the Oilers I, have I, the I loge seats. So, so now you, instead of just people standing up there, now you got a little table. You yeah, got a little I saw that. Somewhere to well, put. <laughs> excuse me. Mm-hmm. What it reminded me of, because uh, they're so in Silent Ice, so heavily involved in youth hockey. Yeah. Uh, you walk into Barnes and you just see guys with their Timmies just standing, <laughs> all the scouts and stuff standing right up on the glass and stuff in the corners. And now it just... A little you, table Yeah, a little yourself. area for little, guys to chat and stuff. And yeah, exactly. Probably got Wi-Fi and everything oh, in there. Oh, for sure. You know <laughs> got, it. You know, plug in your your cords and stuff like that. Uh, Rob Domofsky uh, covers the Green Bay Packers for ESPN. Packers are coming on, Eddie. They're coming on. We'll see what's shaked yeah, out. My bikes are there. fading. They are. Yeah, they didn't look good against the Bears. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cody Jansen, the uh, National Lacrosse League uh, gets underway. And uh, he's the Saskatchewan Rush play-by-play. So we uh, will check in with Cody. The Rush are in Halifax, I believe, tonight uh, to kick off the season. When we come back, Zach Lang, Oilers Nation. It's Carius. It's Steel on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Hey, it's also Playlist Friday. If you want to send a, a song into the Duke, I'm sure we can do a little better than Toto Duke at 720. I know what's going on at 740. I mean, you know, you know like it's I, coming. Clockwork. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we'll get the Duke's reaction on this uh, text coming in from the King of Fort Nasty uh, just before we get to Zach Lang from Oilers Nation. Morning, KK Duke and Eddie from the King of Fort Nasty. Well, Oilers fans have been asking for it and finally got it. A full 60 minutes of hockey. Stuck to the game plan. And even though they were trailing for the bulk of the game. Played well defensively. Cut down on return rushes with high danger chances. Kind of like the time the Duke battled through animosity and took home the trophy at the annual Delburn Cornhole Tournament. <laughs> have, a great, have a great day, boys. Go Broncos. Cheers from the King of Fort Nasty. Any reaction Any to that? Duke? Corn, cornhole, cornhole, not my game. Um, but I have been uh, known to take the uh, championship and a few other things, uh, also involving a cold beer in your hand at the same time. Uh, Beersby, one of my favorites. Okay. Um, beer darts. Oh, how about that? Um, I think yeah, those would probably be my my top two ones. Cornhole, not really. Like I don't know that what that wasn't popular growing up uh, amongst the huh. young people in Delburn. Me as, like as, as even like like. At the slow pitch tournament, like drinking games and stuff like that, where you got around the campsite, cornhole wasn't really um, wasn't a staple. Huh. We we played more bocce than corn, actually, cornhole. So did uh, yeah, like bocce was huge uh, yeah. for me growing yeah, up. Not yeah. so much when we were actually we we turned it into a drinking game as we got older. But um, like when I go to my mom's uh, family out in Saskatchewan and stuff, out to the old homestead, mm-hmm. that's what we do around the yard like for hours at a time. Is just play some bocce amongst the cousins and things. What about lawn darts? Lawn darts, no. Hmm. I, those are really dangerous too. I think, but, especially uh, when you take the tips to the grinder. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just strictly, Let's sharpen them up. Strictly, well. <laughs> beer darts are dangerous enough, and they're only the size of a like obviously a regular standard dart. Then you multiply that as if it went through a, a magnifying glass, and then you're heaving them around the yard. That's uh, that's asking for trouble, especially amongst my family members and me. As we all know, I'm very accident prone. So. Hmm. Matt and LaDuke says Duke would have uh, played carry on my wayward son, but he went with Toto because he decided he wasn't into Kansas anymore. All right, time now for the uh, puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now during the road-ready sales event, you can save up to $225 on select tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until December 16th. Book your appointment at FountainTire.com. Some restrictions do apply. And let's welcome in... Zach Lang to uh, the program from Oilers Nation. Uh, morning, Zach. You're with uh, Kevin Carius, Eddie Steele. Welcome back to Sports 1440. 
Yeah, good morning, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having me. Brandon, thank you for a tremendous introduction song for me today. Uh, you know that is my absolute jam, and uh, it's a great way to put me in a good mood for a radio hit. You, you're, uh, that's, your, that's your intro song that you requested, Total? It is. It is. So it's, it's, wow. I have a bit of a story behind it. Well, so let's hear it. Probably like six or seven years ago, I found this person on Twitter who made a bot where they would just randomly uh, – post lyrics to the song Toto by Africa and or sorry Africa by Toto rather and I thought it was really funny and so I'd occasionally retweet it onto my my account and it got to the point where people were literally being like Zach why do you keep doing this and so it kind of became just a little bit of a funny bit for me and uh so yeah the, the Duke's got it set up as my intro song now I think you need to make a change <laughs> 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 Speaking of changes, the Oilers have changed their ways, Zach, and have reeled off uh, four straight wins and, and are playing complete games now. Not necessarily if you want to look at um, the 60-minute kind of things, like, you you know, as Eddie was ref- alluding to with uh, what Matthias Ekholm said after the Vegas game, that the, they played 54 minutes, but still they played a pretty darn good game against Vegas. Played another one against uh, Winnipeg last night, and now four in a row for this team. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a big one last night. I think that might have been the biggest of the bunch. I mean, you think back to early in the season too, where you know there was just no bounces going the way of the Edmonton Oilers. They were getting no puck luck in their favor, and then you know you look at the goal that opened it up for the Oilers with the Darnell Nurse mm-hmm. goal, just uh, uh, a bit of a weak shot that just kind of caught Connor Hellebuck on the top end of the glove and trickled past him and. You know, the bounciest of bounces is sometimes exactly what you need to kind of get going as a team. And then, you know, big goal from Dreisaitl on the power play. I think that was a really big one because you look at his excitement too. Like, he hasn't seemed to have a whole lot of um, energy or that kind of excitement, that jump that we saw from him after that goal uh, last night. So I thought that was really interesting to see. And and hopefully this can be kind of uh, a big turning point for this club. Zach, you mentioned how it uh, was probably one of the biggest victories out of this winning streak. And I would agree, just because of the way they won uh, a grinded out defensive hockey game that, you know, isn't pretty, but it's needed in order to be successful in this league. Can you just touch on the coaching change, especially on defense? Because what I'm seeing since Paul Coffey has taken over the defense is a lot of active sticks, sticks in the lane, um, not as many uh, egregious mistakes where guys are just skating open and free. Uh, Can you just touch on that a little bit? Yeah, I think you make some great points there. I mean, I I keep hearkening back to Paul Coffey during the introductory press conference um, where Coffey kind of talked about, you know, wanting to kind of calm the troops down on the back end, I suppose, and, and have them play a bit of a simpler game. I think the, the activity with their sticks, as you mentioned, is something that's been noticeable. But one thing that I've seen too is, is it's felt like uh, there's less fear in defensemen from trying to activate with the puck as well. Um, you know, I think that's something that's been really interesting to see. I think look at a guy like Cody Cece, for example, I mean, we've seen him, you know, jumping up in the rush recently with with the puck on his stick, not something that we know we don't see from a guy like Cody Cece very often, right? And I think, you know, Chris Knobloch had the idea of coming in and just trying to calm everybody down, kind of just get back to the basics. And it sounds so cliche, but... 
for where the Oilers were at that time, it really felt like that was exactly what they needed to do. Um, and you take a look at it, and it's paid dividends. You know, I think the Oilers were going to rebound no matter what. Whether it was Jay Woodcroft or Chris Knobloch, uh, this Oilers squad wasn't going to be the Oilers squad that we saw for the first, you know, dozen or so games of the season here. Um, but as time goes on, you know, the, the troops really seem to be kind of settled down here and, and playing some really solid hockey again. Zach Lang from Oilers Nations, our guest on Sports 1440. You know, uh, Zach, I'll have an interview coming up at 9 o'clock with Paul Coffey. And uh, just to kind of tease our, our listeners, he, you know, he's really enjoying what he's doing. And I think the players are enjoying having him there. He he touched on the fact that, you know, each defenseman's different. And that, that's, that goes without saying. But when the Oilers' makeup on the back end is what it is, it can. I think it rings true a lot more than maybe other defensive cores. And, you know, players like Vinny DeHarnay playing his best hockey right now. Uh, Matthias Ekholm is getting back to where he was at the stage of last year when he came over. Evan Bouchard made a couple of mistakes yesterday, but they weren't the totally egregious mistakes. And the Oilers were able to bounce back and cover him up a bit. Uh and that goes with the goaltending. And right now, uh, that's my question to you, Zach, is that, you know, Stu Skinner over this four-game winning streak is 94 saves on 101 shots. It's pretty darn good. So uh, where do you see Stu Skinner being able to maintain this with a, a five-day break? Now he can recharge. And, you know, we all know the Oilers' goaltending situation, Zach, but your your thoughts on what's going on between the pipes with this team? Yeah, I think, you know, Stuart Skinner is just another guy, much like the rest of the team, that needed to just quiet his game down and calm things down a little bit. And you're seeing that from him now. And he's he's looking like the Stuart Skinner, again, that we saw last year. I mean, you know, I, I don't think it can be under understated how important that win was last night. Stuart Skinner outdueled Connor Hellebuck. Connor Hellebuck is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL and has been for a very long time. Um, I think that that speaks very highly to where Skinner's mindset is right now and his play. Cause he was sharp last night. Um, I think he's a guy the Oilers need to rely on, but you know, my, my biggest concern is the burnout factor. Okay. You no, know, we saw this last year with Skinner a little bit where once the was kind of gone to the playoffs, his game kind of wasn't quite there the same way that it was. Mm-hmm. And, and Skinner's a guy who's played a ton of hockey at every level leading up to this last year, you know, coming into the NHL. But as we all know, the NHL is just a completely different animal, right? So I really think it's imperative that whether it's Jack Campbell finding his game behind Stuart Skinner and being able to take some games or the Oilers getting in on the trade market here sooner rather than later to find another netminder, the Oilers need to insulate a guy like Stuart Skinner right now in the crease big time because, um, I worry about that burnout. So for the five-day break that the others are going to have, I think that's going to be really important for a guy like Skinner who has been playing you know, a ton of hockey here again this year. You know, I kind of I, – I, I look at your points, but I don't agree with a, a lot of it, only Zach, because of the schedule. Uh, with the five days off, you know, you come back. Now you're, he's going to start Wednesday. He, you know, he can start Friday if they so choose, and then they've got the afternoon game on Sunday. So – I don't think there's any cause for concern on burnout with Stuart Skinner until after the Christmas break. So, um, Eddie, do you kind of, as a, as an athlete, as a as a guy, kind of seeing a guy Stuart Skinner getting the bulk of the starts, getting all the starts, 
Do you do you see him fading? And comparing NHL playoffs to Stanley Cup playoffs to the regular season is another, another. Yeah, yeah, that's a different beast. Yeah. But right now with the uh, the break and heading into the this five day break and then heading into the Christmas uh, season break, uh, I think that he's fine to just roll. You're fine to roll him out. I don't think fatigue should be something that you're worried about. Uh, they're playing again that checkerboard style of. Of mm-hmm. season right now where they're game every other day type deal. So yeah. coming out of the break, this five-game break, they'll, he's good. I, I think, you know, someone's going to get a game here. It's either going to be Cal Pickard or they're going to bring up Jack Campbell before Christmas here. Someone's getting Eventually. a game or two before Christmas here without question. Yeah. But I'm talking about the six games uh, at home here to start, Zach. I think uh, you'll see maybe one game out of the five coming up here where where either Pickard or Campbell plays. But uh, And as you said, Zach, yeah. I mean, there's a chance that there could be a, a move made uh, on the trade front as well. How excited? I mean, you know, Ryan McLeod's been getting a lot of heat this year. But, you know, for him to pick up an assist uh, and also get the empty net goal, I think you could just see everyone just, you know, just exhale and, and be so happy for him last night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a guy whose defensive game has still been tremendous this season. You know, Ryan McLeod is one of my favorite players on this team because of how cerebral he is as a hockey player. Uh, Very high hockey IQ, always seems to be in the right spots at the right time and knows where to be. And we've seen him slide up the lineup at times, you know, playing up on the top line when he has to and and look look good doing so. Um, A guy like Ryan McLeod, very similar to Matthias Eckholm, missed start of training camp. Didn't play a lot of pre, didn't play any preseason hockey, and kind of got thrusted in for the start of the season at game one, and that was mm-hmm. his preseason. So, you know, now we're 21 games into the season here. We're a month and a half into the season. Um, he's starting to hopefully be able to find his legs here. And I think one of the interesting things is is that you know when we look at high danger scoring chances that McLeod has had at five on five, his rate has increased under Chris Knobloch. And I think that's something notable here is that, you know, he's getting to the dirty areas a little bit more now um, with this coaching swap. I don't know if it's necessarily something that uh, Knobloch and, and the staff kind of said to him and said, hey, you know, we really want you to get into these areas. But again, we we do know that, you know, Chris Knobloch wanted to see the centers getting down low in both zones. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's something interesting to see. And I think for a guy like him, you know, the offense is going to come. Obviously, it'd be probably better for him to have you know, a game tomorrow where he could get back out there after scoring a goal and having an assist sort of a thing. But he's the guy the Oilers are really going to need, just like with, with Ekholm, to, to find their game here and uh, get rolling and, and keep rolling. Zach Lang from uh, Oilers Nation, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, Zach, I know you also like your baseball as well. What do you think of the chances of uh, Shohei Otani with the Blue Jays? <laughs> Man, it's it's exciting. Hey, it, eh? I mean they the the Jays really do seem to be in on Shohei Otani, and I think that's really notable. It really sounds like it's between the Dodgers and the Jays at this point in time. But there's such an information dump that's coming out there on on Twitter and, and in the media. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost hard to exactly decipher what is and what isn't true. But yeah, there does seem to be legitimate interest and a legitimate chance that the Jays could land him. And man, what a what a signing that would be for Toronto <laughs> because that's a guy who's gonna would absolutely change the change the franchise front to back. And I think even if it isn't Shohei Otani, um, you know, signing as a free agent. I think the Jays are, are preparing to make hmm. a big splash uh, somewhere here in the world of baseball. 
uh, in, in the winter months. Yeah, winter meetings this weekend, I guess, and that's when things will start. You know, all the GMs get together, so that's when everyone starts spitballing and things like that. So it'll be an interesting week for sure, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. It absolutely yeah. will be. And I think, you know, we're kind of getting to the point now where, you know, we're getting close to decision time and mm-hmm. for, for Otani, that is. And so, you know, this next couple of days could be uh, could be a really interesting weekend in uh, Canadian sports. Hey, Zach, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Hey, thanks for having me as always. That's uh, Zach Lang from uh, Oilers Nation and our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Hey, ask about their seasonal tire storage once you get your winter tires put on. Eddie, if you saw Shohei Otani in a Blue Jays uniform, how much would that pique your interest to watch Blue Jays baseball this summer? Well, for probably next 10 years. Yeah, that would be pretty special to have a talent like that up here with the Jays. Uh, I was telling uh, the Duke, uh, the first thing I would do is change my uh, phone plan from Rogers to someone else because the phone plans would just be going through the roof. <laughs> Rogers has to they find a way to pay. pay for him. And then Connor Halley says, well, no, no, I'm going to go to Rogers because I want to, I'll pay to see him there. Yeah, I saw Connor put out there on yeah. X that he would get a jersey right away. Uh, but keeping it real, Kev, I yeah. know we got to jump to break quick, yeah, we're but okay. you, you acquire Shohei if you're the Jays. Does that make them it? Like, does that make them instant yep. competitor? <laughs> yeah. It does. The one player? It does. And it, uh, be, well, he's not going to pitch next he's year. He's not pitching. For one thing. Yep. But now you've got a guy that can is going to hit you 40 home runs, is going to give you minimum 20 steals. He protects so many guys in the lineup. He's a left-handed bat. I mean. Is yeah. Vlad in the picture still then? Oh, yeah. Can yeah. you afford both? Yeah. I Well, I think he can, yeah. And, well, the thing is they've got them under contract for a bit here. Yeah, yeah. Vlad's under. And, and Bichette's under, under, you know, yeah. so. I mean, they they would have to look at Vlad as well. But, I mean, if you were to ask Vladdy and say, do you want to have Shohei Otani here? Well, Vlad, every locker room. And then yeah. you figure it out. We'll figure out what I'm going to sign for. And he's going to get paid. Shohei's going to get paid. There's lots of money out there, especially if you're a Rogers phone customer. <laughs> Switch to Fido. <laughs> get everything dropped. We've got some uh, open text time. Tons of text coming in and some good ones, too. So we'll get to those uh, right after the break. It's Carrius at Steel on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Ah, the 740 staple, B.A. Only love, eh, Duke? It's got me moving today. (laughs) Feel good Friday. We did get a request in already, eh, couple? We've got two or three. I think the one, what was it, 38 special I saw? Do you even know who that is, Duke? No, but I'll... uh... (laughs) I have a confession to say. Oh, no. Uh, Ever since I've been doing this with you guys and Duke and his B.A. infatuation, yeah. I've started to listen to it a bit. To in my BA. What's wrong with that? I've started to listen to BA in my car. It's not exactly like it's the Backstreet Boys. No, like, it's, it's good stuff, dude. You're not you're not going to take the heat for that like Duke, I did for going to the Jonas Brothers concert. Like, oh my God. Oh, I want to talk about the Jonas <laughs> Brothers again. You want to go there? I, maybe, maybe that's the rest of the yeah. day. I'll just play just yeah. Jonas Brothers music. I wouldn't <laughs> recognize one song. Uh, Slat sent a, uh, an email to me about Diana and how that song with, you know, BA was written for the Princess of Wales. So... So you were right. I was right, yeah. Well, they're sort of saying... First uh, first time for everything. Yeah, there is a first... They were saying that they were... Were they dating? And he said, we're we're just friends. They're just buddies. Yes. Spots. It's Carrie's. It's Steel on Sports 1440. Keep in mind, Eddie Steel brought to you by Bonton Bakery. Uh, Did you know Bonton Bakery's long fermentation sourdough breads are not only delicious, but they're also good for digestion a diabetes-friendly alternative. Check out the full line of bread in-store, or you can order online at bonton.ca. Eddie, you crushed your monkey bread? 
Trying to. I'm, I'm savoring hard. it. It's something to savor. You know, I, I, I really, when I have a good, good food item in front of me, mm-hmm. such as the cinnamon monkey bread from Bonton, it's hard. I, uh, you want to savor every bite. <laughs> you want to well, savor it. I think that first five minutes when I had couldn't spit the marbles out of my mouth, I, I had the, the bacon cheddar bread and I'm, you know. Some bacon bits left yeah, in there. Yeah, kind of in the teeth. Uh, text coming in, one 401 Molar says, I'm sorry, did I hear that Skinner outdueled Hellebuck? Wow. Switch goalies and it's 6-0 Edmonton win at minimum. Let's not be overly enthusiastic about it. All I say, Molar, is what Grant Fuhr would say. Would say. Who got the win? Skinner made some critical saves at critical times. Hellebuck was busier. Both, yeah. Yes, Hellebuck was busier. Both goalies played well. Yeah. You got to give credit when credit's due. Well, and we'll talk about the goals then. So Skinner let the yeah. one in, a power play goal. Um, he snuck in behind DeHarnay and yeah. tapped that in. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, Hellebuck let in a fluffy goal. So yeah. who outdueled who? There you go. Um, I think a couple, both the goals, the, the nurse goal may have ticked off Dylan DeMello. And the Leon goal may have ticked Dylan DeMello too. It's so hard. They're really, they never gave great, great uh, the replays. replays great. So. Uh, Compro Evolution says, KK, isn't the danger that they are playing with house money right now? If Skinner were to get injured, they would be in a tough position during the chase up the ladder. Well, of course, if he gets injured, they're in a world of hurt. But you can say that with pretty well every team in the league. And you can say it with Connor McDavid. You can say it with Leon. Every team that has a star player or a starting goalie, a number one goalie, is not in a good position. No. If Thatcher Demko goes down in Vancouver, Canucks are not in a good position. And every most, team. Most teams are pressed against the cap, too. So, mm-hmm. uh, A couple of football ones for you here. Harry says maybe the Green Riders raid Buck Pierce, too. Well, that kind of dismisses what Eddie's saying that Buck Pierce wants to be a head coach and will be someday if Buck Pierce goes to. Saskatchewan as an offensive coordinator, and I think that's what Harry's getting at. Well, that's sort of a lateral move. Yeah, that no, nah, you know, so. yeah, that would be totally lateral, and yeah, why change scenery like that when you have it just and made in the sun? As you said, it. he's probably going up the ladder. Yeah, eventually, that's in, been the talks. Yeah, uh, the one Eddie I, I had to hear uh, about. Oh, here's a. This is better from the rig talking about Eddie's uh, shot here. This is from the rig. Hey Eddie, if you injured your wrist uh, taking a slap shot, how big was the divot? <laughs> uh, you know, no divot actually, because very heads up, they had some sort of uh, plastic guard oh. under that you're shooting off of. So yeah, really jammed down. Did they into give you that. a good flex stick though? Uh, you know what? I know nothing about sticks. <laughs> I, I asked the Oil Kings guys that were at that station what uh, what the best stick was. Yeah. And, uh, hey, it was the hardest one of the eight people that were in my grouping. So I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. Comes from Doug here, and hopefully you can shed some light on this, Eddie. Uh, hey, Kevin, Eddie, with the CFL salary cap in mind, is there anything the Elks can do with all the hats that Chris Jones wears, even if management wanted to replace him? I don't think they could afford to fire him and pay him at the same time. Your thoughts, Doug? So this is an organizational cap system. So please explain. Yes, we and we've touched on this in the past too. Chris Jones actually is doing a favor for the organization by being the head coach, the general manager, and the defensive coordinator because by wearing all three hats, they're not paying him 
uh, per individual position. If they were paying a D coordinator, paying a head coach, and paying a general manager, that would be well above $700,000 or whatever his pay is. It's roughly in that area, I've been told. So he is doing them a favor by wearing all three hats, making it cheaper on the organization. You can't get rid of him because there is still time on his contract. You would be paying him to be sitting at home. But the Elks now are free from paying Jamie Elizondo. They're free from paying Scott Milanovic. These are two coaches that you have not had in the building and have been paying out over the years. That's why Chris Jones came in and has done the organization a favor by wearing all three hats at the price tag that he's at. So if you think about it in that sense, he really is doing the organization a favor and there's nothing that they can do. They're not going to move on from him at this point and pay in other coach to sit at home only to hire someone to be a warm body in the building you just can't do it it's a tough situation in the sense that even though chris jones is as you say doing the organization a favor by wearing all these hats he is spreading himself very thin Thin, yes and we all know his record when he is just a head coach as compared to a gm and a head coach One thing to touch on, too, and it was brought to my attention throughout this past CFL season, uh, the three clubs, uh, there's three or four clubs off the top of my mind. It's the Elks, it's um, the Stamps, and I I forget who it's slipping my mind just as I'm running through it. But the three organizations in the CFL where the head coach is essentially the GM as well, did not have much success this year. And mm-hmm. you could see, and a lot of people were pointing to that as one of the reasons because you're stretched too thin. When you're doing management, you don't have time to focus on coaching your players on the finite details that you need to have attention to. What did you make of the Elks moving forward here? They're going to be looking for, I guess, private ownership. There's only two ways. They they didn't word it. They kind of They were kind of being elusive how they worded it. But there's only two ways to have ownership. One is community, what they have now, and one is private. Where do you see things moving forward here? I have. I wish I had a crystal ball. Yeah. Um, I hope it goes private eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be, I think, the most ideal. Um, you know, just how things have gone public. There's so many, so many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And uh, who's the lead cook? You know, and I think it's been so muddied for so many years, and there's been a lot of poor decisions by the lead chefs that are in the kitchen right now yeah. uh, that have brought the club. Not the only reason, but they are one of the reason, and they being the board, one of the reason why the club is where they're at now. And chain of command protocol, it it just faulted. It's it's faulty. That's the way it is. I mean, when you have the board of director, or you want to put a plural on it, you can. It's up to you hire the president but before that they hired the head coach and gm so the president comes in after it it just everything's off and you just said another word that we haven't even touched on that i've forgotten about not only have they burned through head coaches over the past few years but they've burned (laughs) through presidents lot and who's making these hiring decisions you know who it's it's they being the cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, the board, or if you say board of directors or chairman of the board, depending on how you want to. And this goes back to prior boards, not the one. I mean, you can talk about, you go back to, to Len Rhodes all the way through to Chris Presson, to Victor Cui, obviously. Exactly. And now Rick Lalasher is taking over. <laughs> might as well be full-time right now. Yep. You might as well take the interim tag off of... Uh, 
Rick Lawler, sure. So, and then the other aspect is if it is private, and we've touched on this too, Eddie, and we've got some people that would were texting in during all of this about because I said, well, you, if it is private, then they're going to have to have a new stadium. The private people, whoever it is, if they want to own this team, they don't want to have to deal with the city at Commonwealth, et cetera, et cetera. Headaches. Well, where do you want to build a stadium? Well, I think there, it could be, and I mean, Commonwealth isn't going to last forever anyway, but I mean, right at Northlands, there's a, where the yeah. track is there. You got yeah. the, the land is there. Everything is there if you want it to. And we were talking about this earlier, and uh, this is a private sports organization too. Uh, and I'm not trying to to cross wires here, but you talk. Mm-hmm. Look at Silent Ice and the facility they popped up. And that, that's a private organization, and I know they have some facilities in Morinville. And uh, look at what they have popped up, the beautiful facility that they put up in Nisku. Run. You know, so it's doable yeah. with private ownership. It's doable. And you don't need to put up a 60,000-seat stadium. We need twenty five to 28,000. Mm-hmm. That's it. Quick note on the Thursday night football game. Dallas 35, or sorry, 41, Seattle 35. Man, was their points being scored. Defense was optional. That's what I call that one. But we need that yeah. on a Thursday night because Thursday nights are normally just atrocious and the football is so bad, turnovers, low scores. So mm-hmm. let's take that high scoring. I love the comment from Dak Prescott after the game because he gets ridiculed a lot because he has not won a big one. He hasn't taken the Cowboys deep into the playoffs. And his ability sometimes... I don't think his ability gets questioned. Maybe his leadership to take the team to the next level gets questioned. But he always asks, gets asked about certain, I guess, where he is with this team moving forward. And last night he said, I have the pen, I have the paper, and I'm the one writing about silencing uh, critics with an MVP-type performance. So I thought it was like a good, it. good comment I like it. in the sense that, yeah, how many times has he had to stand up there after a game and just get a barrage of bullets thrown yeah. his way? Yeah. It, uh, and what he said is true. I mean, he's in control of it right now in a performance like that. Hey, how about this, Kevin and mm-hmm. Duke? Aaron Rodgers. What? <laughs> Practicing? After 79 days after tearing his Achilles, that just makes me question, what was the original diagnosis? Like, was this a total Achilles tear? Because that's yes. nuts. I think, Duke, you might, uh, I saw, um, I think it was on Sunday morning on one of the channels about how the operation was done and how differently it was done compared to other Achilles tears. Okay. So, Duke, do you have any thoughts on that? Like, in the sense? Uh, I I did hear that it was a different type of process, but my actual takeaway from this is that the the Jets are cooked. Like, they're, they're done, right? So, he is not going to play this season. Because the Jets will be out of it by the time he's ready to play. So what he's able to do by getting on the practice field, even if it is in the most casual uh, setting, is that he can say, yeah, I would have came back if we were in it. But he's not going to because the Jets Mm. are not in a playoff hunt. Duke, I like the way your mind thinks because that's kind of twisted and that's the Aaron Rodgers <laughs> that narrative. That is exactly that's what Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Rodgers does. That's That he so says he has nothing to lose? Well, no, because like, he wants everybody to think he's a hero and uh-huh. the good guy. And so now, whether it's back with the Jets or elsewhere, he can say, like, people will still look at him in this godlike status. And he he's probably the best quarterback to ever play football, like, talent-wise. So I'm not taking anything away from that, but, like, he is a... Between the ayahuasca and the vaccination stuff, like he's a he's a big like he's a prima donna. 
What would be the chances after Aaron Rodgers hears this last minute or two, we could get him on the program? What were the chances Pat, beforehand? Call Pat McAfee. <laughs> compared you know, to now, I'd say they're word. probably still pretty comparable because Aaron Rodgers would like the opportunity <laughs> to come on here and uh, probably uh, tell me how wrong I am to my face because that's just the kind of guy he is, and it makes him a great football Duke player. Duke is fired up. I, I, I'm just not an Aaron Rodgers fan. I don't know. Oh. Call me crazy. Well, you're right. I mean, with the Jets having four wins and being out of it, I, I kind of had that thought too. Like, what are we doing here? You're not going to roll him out just to try and make the playoffs. I, so I don't think he'll play this year. But that is a serious angle because he definitely uh, he's a bit of a narcissist. You're right, Duke. So make that narrative. All right, we got a uh, big uh, 8 o'clock hour coming up. Mark Spector will join us uh, after the break. Then Brendan Batchelor, Vancouver Canucks play-by-play man at 8 o'clock. And, man, we've got uh, Ryan Marsh coming up. We've got Rob Domofsky from ESPN with the Green Bay Packers and also uh, Cody Jansen from uh, the Saskatoon, Saskatchewan Rush, if you want to call it that, to elevate our game. Again, that's coming up in the uh, 10 o'clock hour. Before that, all of it, we've got a Sports 1440 update brought to you by First Round. Watch NFL football at First Round Monday, Thursdays, and Sundays, and you could win a trip to watch your favorite team next year. Here is the Duke.